This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Robert Glazer. He is the founder and CEO of Global Performance Marketing Agency Acceleration Partners and also the author of a fairly recent book, Elevate, Push Beyond Your Limits and Unlock Success in Yourself and Others. So thanks for joining me, Bob. Thanks for having me, John. So we are going to talk about a I don't know if we'd call this a channel, um, but a particular specific. There's some debate around that. Yeah, That's a yeah. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> specific <laughs> element of marketing that is being called these days partner marketing, and I think that um, I think one of the things that I want to start with is, and you you talk a lot about the distinction between affiliate marketing, partner marketing, and I think there's probably there probably is some overlap, but there's probably also some mis um, labeling as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. The channel question is interesting. Some people think of affiliate or, or I'll just call partner as as more of a methodology than a channel because it incorporates so many different types of activities. You know, at, at, at a baseline, it is aligning outcomes with um, with your payment system rather than paying for a click or impression, recruiting partners, using a technology platform, determining the outcomes that you're looking for, you know, tracking tracking the performance of those partners to your website and paying when when there is an outcome, uh, you know, the affiliate has been around forever. And I think everyone in theory loves the notion of that as a performance model, like, right. What pay, why? Yeah. If I get literally paying your marketing after you get, um, the sale and for a simple example, you know, let's say you post this podcast on a website and you, you talk about my books, you can link to them on Amazon and join as affiliate partner and they'll pay you a commission for, driving to Amazon for people who bought my books because it came from from your website. Um, you know, the affiliate term has been around for a while. Um, it includes a whole bunch of stuff. I think a lot of the white glove stuff that we do with large brands who are doing kind of, you know, normal commission type payouts. It's also the term is used by a lot of these people who do, you know, you know, 50% commission payout email list swaps of like overpriced nutraceuticals and, you know, vitamins with dubious claims. So, so a lot of people in, in our world and people wanted to distance themselves from the world affiliate for a while. They tried performance marketing, but then everyone, you know, jumped under that tent <laughs> with Google and otherwise. And, and then it started moving towards partner marketing because, um, and, and I consider affiliate a piece of partner marketing, but, but as companies started licensing the software and running their own programs and calling them partner programs and referring to these people that they were working with as partners and not affiliates, which, which frankly is a, is a better terminology in that context. Um, we're just seeing a, a lot of the interest in this partner marketing automation and partner automation. And I, I think part of it is you want to go, you want to go where the, the energy is, but, but I think partner marketing is a really a good explanation of what's being done. Um, uh, rather than performance marketing, which was definitely a lot broader. Well, and I would interject another sort of confusing aspect of this. The the, the term partner itself uh, seems to imply a relationship um, in many cases. And, and I think that yeah. there's a further muddling of, of businesses that, well, I'll use software example. Um, they, they would call their you know, they, they would call it a channel, I think, of, of resellers and uh, installers, but they certainly yeah. always in, 
they they certainly always referred to those people as partners. Yeah, and 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 what's interesting is in that in that early affiliate marketing craziness and sort of uh, you know ecom 1.0 and pets.com era, it was just like get us the sale and we don't care how you get it. Like there were no branding departments and and, and so a lot of people had literally you know no idea you know, affiliate commissions, like I get a 10% commission and then I'd break it up and offer someone aid and become the guy who like, you know, there were sub affiliates. So there was just no transparency. And, and, and in the way that people are operating today, they're like, look, I want to know who I'm working with their brand departments. I want, you know, it's great that we're paying you on commission, but we want to know who we're working with. We want to know what they're doing. Uh, and, and it really is more of a partnership. I think 10, 20 years ago, if you asked an affiliate manager who their top partners were, or what they did, they might have no idea it's almost a job requirement these days that you can vouch for your top uh, affiliates and say, here's who they are and what they do. So would you say that, because I, I think a lot of businesses looked at that and said, well, sure, we need to have you know an affiliate program. And they copied a lot of what they saw, especially in the information products world. But would you say that it has now gone, to, I hate to use the word mainstream, but that other businesses, non-traditional businesses uh, that uh, – that, that didn't just have the, you know, send us a click and we'll give you 10% are, are starting to look at ways that, that they can embrace this as uh, an avenue for, you know, a growth. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, maybe it's the lens I look at the world, but I mean, every co company I know that's doing more than a million or two online is, is, is looking at this as a channel. Um, because particularly there's a massive budget reallocation of brand marketing, to uh to direct to consumer marketing so if you were procter and gamble 10 years ago you know a lot of your marketing if you're razors and 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 you know toilet paper what what was about hey go buy these or find them or brand you know now you have a razor subscription club and a and a toilet paper you know or, or household delivery subscription service so when you think about your your marketing dollars you're 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 trying to get that customer directly and, and you're saying all right well i i i'd be happy to pay you know, a hundred, a uh, hundred dollars to someone who's, or, you know, $10 to sign who signs up for a hundred dollar, you know, year subscription to my product. So we see a major shift, uh, uh, into this. And from a budget standpoint, a lot of that is being driven by, you know, people going direct to consumer, people having these information. And, and frankly, they're getting frustrated by all these other forms of auction marketing, where once everyone crowds into it, no one can make money. And you even hear this within Facebook where people figure out an audience and, and it works for like two weeks and then it's burned and they got to figure out a new audience. So let's talk about the kind of the model here. Does this change? I mean, are there efficiencies in this? I mean, does this change how people look at staffing and offices and you know, all those types of, of things uh, because they're able to actually push maybe some functions out into this you know army of, of branded partners? Yeah, so so I you know I use this term in and in, in my first book performance partnerships and I'm sort of um, uh, I'm leaning into again in another book, but this notion of marketplaces of marketing, where if you think about why Uber and Airbnb were able to scale so quickly is because they don't need to buy and underloan these uh, own these underlying assets, they create a marketplace where if you play by the rules, you know you can be a rider or a driver in their ecosystem. I kind of think companies are the same way where they can open up the marketing of their program to some of the you know most creative and interesting marketing entrepreneurs or publishers in the world, set up the system they want to pay on based on an outcome basis and and, and let those people go to work on, on their behalf. So I, I do see it as sort of this marketplace of, of marketing entrepreneurialism where 
you know, instead of saying, hey, I'm looking to buy clicks or or impressions or, you know, app installs, you say, hey, I'm looking for customers <laughs> and and leads and sales. And here's what they're worth to me. And then here's my rate chart. And if you can stay on brand and follow my rules and do this, like I, I you know, you're really opening up a, a huge um, opportunity of, of of people to come, you know, interested in, in in working with you. All right. Well, you stimulated two questions there. I'll ask the one, but it it's it's really kind of on to tag on to that. And then I have another question. But um, how do you manage the brand? I mean, just that, isn't that setting a lot of companies up for? You know, maybe maybe they've got all these marketers out here, but now they need the brand police you know, that are watching them. Yeah, I mean, and, and this goes to the quality of your team or your partners or your agency. I mean, there are clearly like, look, we see agencies out there like you'd see. This is not the type of business where you want a kind of sold at the high level, a 22 year old working across 20 programs kind of, you know, managing high level brands. So so those programs need to be, you know, managed carefully. There are brand protection uh technologies and softwares in the space that you know people with experience know how to use there's a lot of work of just checking the regular behavior of partners seeing where the traffic's coming from understanding that it looks logical so a lot of that comes through active management you yeah you cannot just set it and forget it that has proven historically to be a disaster um, in the channel so this is look this is why we're in business um these these programs particularly if they're global, it takes a lot of resource, uh, resource and coordination. And, and, and there's a lot of people working on these big programs. So what are some of the typical, especially if somebody that's listening and thinking, well, how would this apply to me? Uh, what are some of the typical kind of types of programs, if you will? Yeah. So, so there's the biggest types are sort of sale or lead. So if you're, if you're e-commerce um, and, and then there's ones that sort of cross that threshold. So if you're e-commerce and you sell something, you'd be inclined to say, oh, well, you know, I sell something for $25 and I can afford maybe five or 10% of sales because there's a measured endpoint, you know, when you get your sale. Uh, lead programs are also out there and there's, there's verified leads and non-verified leads and I won't get too far into it, but this is where you get into a lot of fraud where, you know, a lot of the trend where the transaction can't be finished online, where it's a mortgage application or where it's, a uh, a lot of banking or insurance, you'd have more of lead gen where, where you pay for a qualified lead and then you go make sure that, you know, those convert at a certain rate or that they're high quality from, from the publisher, but but those are there's some other different kinds, but those are the two biggest buckets that we find. Most of the models work in there, and then now you have a lot of you know subscription services, and 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 they're almost sort of a hybrid. So let's mention you know HBO. Like as everyone goes direct, you know HBO is selling a, a a subscription. Well, you know what they'll do is they'll say, well, it's ten dollars a month. Our data is pretty good that anyone who signs up is uh, you know stays for twelve months. So that's you know, uh, 120, $120. And we really, we're happy to pay $25 for every, uh, uh, you know, uh, 12 months. So what they do is they pay $25 for a concern, you know, paid subscriber to the service. And then they probably look at that cohort, you know, to make sure that that partner wasn't doing anything that got people, you know, on the platform who weren't going to stay very long, but they, they use their LTV data to figure out like how much it is, how much they want to pay for that subscription. So I, I think you have kind of lead subscriptions and then kind of just straight up retail uh, percentages as, as kind of your biggest buckets. You know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. 
It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make them your plug-and-play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. So where do... I guess what I would call traditional uh, partnerships fit into this. So this is a silly example, but uh, I'm an electrical company and I have thousands of customers and I, you know, go into their homes and a lot of times they need me to fix their air conditioner. And so I bring in my air conditioner partner. (laughs) Um, Again, that was a terrible example to you know, compared to like what you, the examples you were using. I'll give, I'll give you, you a better do, one. Do you get, <laughs> no, no, do you get, no, the, the, do you get yeah. the idea I'm trying to get across? Yeah. So, so why I think it's being called partner market. So a lot, for a lot of traditional affiliates historically were deal sites, uh, coupon sites, loyalty sites, kind of all in the same demographic. And, and, and that was because of how a lot of the biggest partners on these affiliate networks and that they were co-branded relationships. As people do more direct partnerships using the same technology, but licensing it, um, so that they have control over it, they're kind of like going to their other BD partners and vendors, and and so you can imagine a, a like a Ticketmaster or StubHub going to an airline partner and saying, "Hey, when, when when someone buys a ticket, you know, to come to Seattle during this month on the Confirm page, why don't you suggest these four events? Use our tracking links, and you know, we'll pay you a cut of you know anything they do. So that's how you're finding businesses." I think are starting like what we call it brand to brand sort of use, using this model. So is that what you meant? Yeah, 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 product? yeah. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Like Southwest yeah. is doing that. Airbnb is doing that. Um, right. You know, I know when I book. So yeah, that's, it's kind of like your, your products embedded. It's not, the, it's not that you're getting an affiliate commission so right. much as, as it's almost but, becomes a part of your offering. Yeah. Right. And you're just, you're getting paid on that performance platform. And this is why they're calling them part. Like the platform is a great platform to track performance in real time. All the deals in the past that were done tracked with coupon codes or ref IDs. And then I send you a spreadsheet and then you send me a check and then, or an invoice. And then I send you a check. Like all of that can be automated onto these software platforms to handle with tracking and payment and stuff in real time. You can even imagine like a savvy realtor who sent a note to everyone after they moved into their house, an email, and said, hey, here's some resources for you. Here's here's my favorite online blind company. You know, they can measure it. Here's signing up for Comcast Cable. Like all of those could be affiliate links in the email and they could send that out and make an answer, you know, $500 per client for the client clicking on those things and, and buying them. Well, and, and let's face it, they're providing a service by doing it too, because, yeah, because they need they're, all those They're things. curating. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what publishers yeah. do. Like yeah. the term yeah. publisher, like is someone who has an audience, you know, is, is trusted, you know, has some information, whether they're talking about deals or comparing things or otherwise they, they, they have the audience who's an impressionable buyer. All right. So where does uh, Kim Kardashian fit into all this? <laughs> uh, well, she's probably both, right? I think I, 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 you know, the influencer model really is a so so it, it, it's coming all into the performance space because the first round of influence, people wrote huge checks and then found that like it didn't work in most of these cases. So now they're saying, yeah, we love this model, but we actually have this platform. How about we track, measure and pay you on what works? You know, now we probably have to pay on a top of funnel, not not a bottom of funnel. But, you know, so so like in her world, like, you know, 
people are, she's probably getting fixed fees, but a lot of influencers, you know, focus on products that they like, they get paid a performance fee. And, and on the flip side, you know, for, for the cosmetic company and all, all that stuff, I'm sure they have a, a partner and affiliate program that's a big part of their business. Does this disrupt the sponsor advertising model? Uh, so, for example, you know, I have a podcast. Um, we have sponsors. They pay, yeah. uh, they pay us a fee to be in our show. Um, there's no performance i mean they, you know they don't they don't up if they're not getting you know hopefully right. they're, hopefully they're tracking and they're getting what they they want but but does this flip this around to where a lot of advertisers traditional advertisers are now going to go to somebody like me and say hey we'll pay you 12 dollars you know for everybody that converts um i yes and no i think the first step is people want to track and they want the measurement and, and, and so if you've ever listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast, like it, it's not a surprise that anytime he directs people to an offer, it's company.com slash Tim, right? That's, that's effectively affiliate tracking, <laughs> just in a different way. So, so that those brands have an idea. And then look, they may ascribe some brand value to being on that podcast. I mean, we all know that there is value to hearing something in repetition, but I think they want some data. In the same way with influencers, like, look, I might pay you a hybrid fee. I might pay you some upfront, but I, I do want to track this so that I have some some data. So I, you do see that in podcasts more. We're seeing some performance stuff or people, you know, I, I when I have sponsors and advertisers, they, they give me a landing page they want people to drive to. And, and I think that's to try to, you know, say, did we get zero clicks, a <laughs> hundred clicks? Like try, try to even get some order of magnitude around that. So is this model accelerating the death of traditional retailing? I don't think it's, uh, well, I'm not sure on, on, on traditional retailing. I, I think so in, in, in the web world, because traditional retailers have their on, a lot of them have their online, uh, things and look, it exists in other parts of the world. People, you know, the, the concierge tells you to go to that restaurant, <laughs> uh, and, and they give, you know, in that case, they give them a nice meal, uh, once a month, but I think it's forcing people to choose between, are they a company that creates products and services or has amazing sort of delivery and logistics or are they a marketing company that has audience share? I, I don't think people are going to be – like in 20 years ago, you needed to be both. I'm not sure that many people are going to be good at both. And and I'd argue even like – I don't – like Amazon, uh, even Amazon, like you know, they're trying to master logistics and getting stuff to you quicker. Most of the products on Amazon sites now are not theirs. They're third-party sellers. So they're almost kind of like a massive – and they have a million-plus affiliates in their program. So they're almost – kind of a massive, you know, they're not a product company. They, they've chosen marketing and, and and logistics. They have some of their own products. But um, I, I do think that people have to choose, right? You don't want to be a commodity retailer now because you'll, you'll, you'll get crushed by um, Amazon. But I, but I think the way around it, because Amazon's probably your biggest marketing competitor, you're not you're not going to be better than them in search. <laughs> if you're selling on your website and you've given them your stuff to sell on their website, they're going to outrank you in search. They're going to outbid you in social. They're going to outpay you pay in search. So your best chances might be to, you know, find a group of partners that, that, that can provide a reliable competitive advantage and drive people to your website. Or you should say, I'm a product company and I'm outsourcing my marketing and logistics to, to Amazon. Has technology played a role in, because again, going back to the the original sort of affiliate stuff, yeah. you know, it all, it was one size fits all. It was, you know, blast, blast, blast. Right. Um, has technology allowed us to uh, create a better experience, maybe a more personal experience for the people that are doing this now? 
Yeah. So the biggest change in the technology is the ability. It was a very broad stroke. Do I work with this partner? Do I not work with them? Um, I, you know, pay them 5%, don't pay them. Brands have the tools now and the technology to, to even pay different amounts by the, you know, by the tactic. Was it an email versus on the website? Was it someone who came at the end of the transaction? They have the ability to say, here is, is what I really value at its core and use technology to say, I, I, I can align so that I'm going to, to pay for this. So we have a much, it, you know, it used to be, we always say it's not how or if you, it's not if you work with publishers, it's how. I think when you only had crude instruments, you could say, oh, I'll turn this guy on or off. Like a lot of people will say, I don't want to work with coupon publishers. They don't provide value to my business. I say, I get it. Like that, but that also could be from your understanding of the limitation of technology. Did you know that the technology now would allow you to, only pay the coupon partner if they used a valid code that you gave to that partner. The order didn't come in the last minute and it was a new customer or a customer with a high average order value. And 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 then they'll, they'll all say, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that. I said, well, will that interest you in working with coupon partners? And, and, and suddenly the answer changes a little bit. So I, um, a lot of my listeners know that I've written marketing books almost exclusively. I recently wrote a mindset book uh, called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur that uh, that every podcast I've been on said, what's up with that, John? <laughs> you, yeah. you did a similar thing. You wrote a book called Elevate, uh, Push Beyond Your Limits and Unlock Success in Yourself and Others. So I, get, I guess I get to turn that around and ask, what's up with that, Ron? Yeah. So, so, so Elevate came out of uh, an, an interesting marketing exercise. It came out of a note that I started sending my team every Friday uh, when we were about 40 people. Uh, and, and I just decided when I worked on my morning routine and, and sort of getting better and increasing my own performance, that 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 reading something positive in the morning was important. But I, I didn't like some of the rainbow and unicorn kind of positive quote books and stuff I was given um, so I decided I'd write a note and it sort of challenged people or told a story or something motivational, inspirational. But I joke, it's kind of like spicy chicken soup for the soul. It's uh, it, it's usually a little edgy. And I was sending these things to my team for a couple of months and I didn't know if people were even reading them. And I, I did start getting notes back. And what happened was people actually started sharing them outside the company and other CEOs got it and shared it in the company. And then someone wrote an article about it. And Fast forward four years later, and I had 100,000 people in 60 countries getting this email, which I then renamed Friday Forward. And that forced me to sort of think about writing a book and step back and like look at like why, how had our company grown so much and, and, and how did, you know, what was our strategy of investing in people? What were the things I had seen a lot of other high performers? How, how was I really improving my life? And then why were strangers so interested <laughs> in these emails and why were they having impact? And it all came to the same answer, which was the, these, these sort of four elements of, of capacity building and this notion of capacity building, which is just the methodology of how you get better um, and that there are four dimensions that I think we all wrestle with and that are interdependent. And in the book, I call them spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional. And 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 all the high performers I've ever seen really like do well in all those areas simultaneously. But I also realized that was actually how we were developing our people was against that that playbook too. So that that's how it all came together uh, in the form of Elevate. And um, you know, it's been nice to share those concepts with the world, and then also really use that internally. Like when we do some of our leadership tra training now, we 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 really actually work across those elements. So so when a new employee comes on, you you make them go to Amazon and buy a copy of the book. <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. 
<laughs> Bob, thanks so much for stopping by and uh, sharing uh, your insights on partner marketing in your book, Elevate. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about you and your work and uh, uh, maybe even grab a copy of your book. Sure. If you're interested in, uh, in, in Elevate, Friday 4 to the Elevate podcast, you can go to Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about affiliate marketing or partner marketing, we have a bunch of great sort of just resources and one-on-one information, uh, at accelerationpartners.com. Uh, it's probably easier to Google it than, than, than try to spelling it, but the resources tab has tons of free stuff you can read or download. Awesome. Thanks so much. And, uh, hopefully we will, uh, bump into you out there on the road. Thanks, John. 